Nikki. Hey, Selena. <laughs> God. Like, Danger Mouse High. <laughs> do you know who Danger Mouse is? I do. Okay. The, is he the one that wears the helmet? Or I does he just have a cape? Superman, but a mouse. Okay. But I guess dangerous. It's his name. Anyway. Most mouses are dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. I saw an Instagram reel. And it was a filled mouse on the top of someone's finger. And it was like the greatest thing I ever saw. No, I'm going to show it to you. Okay. I promise you'll think it's cute. That I tiny, didn't even know it was a mouse. That tiny scares me more because it gets stuck in your ear and lost in your brain. I don't think it's tiny enough to get in your ear. Okay. Yes, okay. it's good. I thought it was going to be like a, what are they, sugar flyers? Oh, those are cute. Or gliders. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Sweet Tea and TV podcast where we talk about filled mouses. And gliders. Mices. Mises. <laughs> Misey mices. <sighs> so what I thought we would do. What's that? Is we would do James Lipton's questionnaire from inside the actor's studio. Okay. So this is where he, he like asks all like the really famous actors the same questions. Are you going to ask it in his voice? I don't think I can go that low. Oh, love that. I, maybe I can do like that. I like that tempo or something. At a minimum, could you do like an NPR voice? Oh, Make I could feel intimate. Oh, God. <laughs> Gotta hmm. warm up the instrument. No. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, just remember, at least you don't live with me. You know, feel bad for Casey. Feel bad for the person who has to deal with this all the time. Okay. Nikki, yes. What is your favorite word? Oh, good lord! Oh, that's a good question. It is a good question, and then you probably like want to follow up with a why, but you don't have to. But it oh, would make why it it's my favorite word? Yeah, not like is why your favorite word. I've been thinking lately as we were doing the Proust survey that I just don't even ask follow up questions. Like I just interpret the question immediately how I interpret it and go on. You're much more strategic about the way you answer the question. You sort of dissect the question, and so I thought you were telling you were pointing that out. Do you think it's training? Because I'm an English minor, oh. and I was taught to overanalyze everything. I mean, analyze. Well, I was a journalism major, so well, I me really too. feel like maybe, <laughs> just maybe I should be questioning the thing wasn't or good two. at it. <laughs> I think I've just been trained. Girls should not ask too many questions. Oh, no. Well, yeah. here you ask every question you want. But sometimes, we like, limiting do you want to open the can of worms? You know Are we limiting to the English language? No. I, I wouldn't pick a word outside of the English language, but that felt like a good question to ask. Oh, okay. I'm not... What would that be? I want to say I'm not linguist, but <laughs> multilingual. Well, no, I mean like, like, uh, like sexist against language. Oh, <laughs> I'm linguist. <laughs> I'm not anti-linguist. Why are you so linguist? Oh, this is all just me killing time. Do you I'm, want me to just say mine then? I would. Like, yeah. Uh, loquacious. Do you know what is so funny? Hmm. I was thinking of that word. Really? No. Yes. When you said favorite word, that word popped into mind for me. And I don't know if it's because you said word. And so I was thinking wordy and loquacious. Mm -hmm. That word popped into my mind. That's funny. I think it's kind of beautiful. It is a beautiful word. Yeah. And I like all the, like, long words. You know? I like something that really, like, uh, you know, takes a while. 
It takes its time. Mm-hmm. You feel it on the back of your tongue and on the front. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Save that. Gosh. My favorite word and words I use all the time, I guess, are two different things. Well, I, but maybe not. I say literally and obviously all the time. Yeah. Literally all the time. Literally. Oh, my God. I don't have a good answer to this. Why didn't you give me this question off air so I could think about it? <laughs> it's amazing. It's uncanny. Why didn't I? Because <laughs> I said, I'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> well, we're here now. But not really. It's not live. Uh, yeah. I, uh... Pickle. <laughs> Peter Piper. Challenging. Sweater. Oh. Do you know what I love? I love when British people say literature. Okay. I love that. Yeah. Literature. Because like anything could be literature. Yeah. Have you read the latest Harry Potter? It's pure literature. Yeah. So it's just like sophisticated. It's sophisticated. But you could pretty much say any word in a British accent. I'm going to love it. And it sounds like, yeah. Not every British It sounds loquacious, you know? Sure. It just sounds like... Mellifluous. That's a good word. Mellifluous. That's a good word. Yeah, that sounds like something that could really bring out my stutter. Oh. Oh, no. Speaking of stutters? Yeah. This episode? Felt it a little stuttery for you? Just the men talking in general? Oh. (laughs) Was it a transition? It is sure. Are we ready to transition? Do you have another James Lipton question for me? Well, I did. I was going to ask, what is your least favorite word? Moist. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Generally speaking, I think we all agree on that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Everybody does, but I think it's like, it's up there. I have a lot of like vulgar words that I hate. Oh, it's going to be a real you-know-what show when we get to favorite cuss word. Because that is a famous question from the James Lipton survey. Oh, is that so right? wrap your mind around that. Okay. Well, I have a lot of words that are cuss words or like vulgar words that I don't like. I think moist should be a cuss word. <laughs> we sh- I just think we need to have a social contract that says we just don't say it. Right. And if you're talking about cake, it's soft. It's just soft. Wet. <laughs> That's liquidy. Mm. <laughs> this is all bad. Okay. So see, I'm going to just, I'm just going to say moist. Yeah. I get that. Ah, what a terrible word. It's not great. You mean the word moist? Yeah. And then like pretty much anything Mwah. that like degrades people. Any words yeah. that fall in that. Sure. Like poo poo on those words. You know what I'm saying? Poo poo on those words. Also maybe poo poo. Edgy. Okay. Speaking of poo poo. <laughs> the human piles of poo in this episode. <laughs> This is season two, episode 22 of the season finale. Mm-hmm. I get series finale and season finale mixed up an alarming amount. Reservations for eight. That's a one. A romantic ski weekend at a rustic cabin turns into a war of the sexes when the ladies of Sugar Bakers and their boyfriends are sidelined by an avalanche. IMDb says the ladies take their boyfriends, and in Suzanne's case, ex-husband, on a skiing trip in the mountains of North Carolina where an avalanche snows them in. Tensions flare up enough to turn into a major battle in the war between men and women. This aired March 28, 1988, written yet again by LBT, directed yet again by Hal Holbrook. So, there we are. General reactions. Okay, so I did have this down as a general reaction, uh, but you could probably also classify it as a stray. But here it is. So we don't get Anthony in the season finales. 
He just carries the luggage. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's my first general reaction. What do you have? I'm going to start with kind of a stray. Okay. Because you did. I couldn't figure out how often avalanches happen in North Carolina. Dude, that is something that I have notated at least three times in this document. Really? Okay. Yes. Did you look it up? It did. It we'll led me down. It. it led me down a rabbit hole of like, just like people North really Carolina? ski in North Carolina, and like, there's well, enough... so yes, right. I found that out. I had they, no idea because they pump in snow, right? So there aren't really avalanches. Because I've been skiing. I mean, hold on. Excuse me. I'm that lady <laughs> who stays in a lodge, never like by a fireplace. So this was a church camp. But they go to, it was like a skiing or the thing. And because there's so little snow, like both years, two or three years I went, they had to pump it in. So like it snowed a little bit, yeah. but not nearly enough for skiing and certainly not enough for avalanche. So I went to see, I'm like, but maybe there was like a really big avalanche that happened around that time. Or maybe there's just been one in the past that proves like this is definitely a possibility. When I tried to find it, you know what came up the most for me? What? Avalanche the truck. Oh. In North Carolina. Sure. For okay. sale. Cool. cool. But cool, no cool. avalanches. I did not find one. Did you find anything? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the plot's a little thin. The mm-hmm. old jump start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My people are warm weather people. So, I don't go in the snow And who are often. your people? Just, you know, the people who raised me. Uh, Southern people. Oh, okay, okay. We're warm weather people. Yeah, so that one was a, a stray that stuck with me. Uh, in general, man, this this is a this is a real doozy of an episode. It's very dialogue heavy. It is very yeah, like uh, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, dialogue heavy. So, first reaction is I tend mm. to love men versus women plot lines and storylines i love when a comic gives his observ like a male comic gives observations of his wife or like marriage um generally it's really funny to me i just usually think i mean i think there are there can be really clear differences and so i think it's funny when people point them out did you think that this was funny no angry yes yeah. And so this is my second general reaction, which you can't see this, but I'm drawing an asterisk in the air. Oh, I thought you were drawing a four. It, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, get that right. Who's to say? Yeah. Uh, LBT wrote it. It was written by a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself getting really incensed at these men. And then I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Not even men writing this. And like, so these are like her female version of what men would say. Well, you know, we have had this conversation. We have had this conversation before, but it's this idea of like, we don't know when she's getting outside help Mm -hmm. or like, you know, so there's been some plots that have revolved around like race Mm -hmm. and was she seeking out input on that? We don't know. Was she seeking, was like, did she have her husband weigh in on these arguments? We don't know, but I certainly understand where you're coming from. This idea of like, if it is fairly one-sided, we don't really know what these individuals would have said. Although I guess then you could say that for every plot of every television show ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I chose to split this sort of episode out when we usually do like general observations, then we do what we liked and what we didn't like. We're splitting it up by lines that we liked because it's super dialogue heavy. And there were some lines that really resonated with me. And there were some lines that just really irritated the bejeebus out of me. 
Yeah. So I am uh, definitely have that as well. Um, I did have a couple of more things that sort of hit me and I wanted to get your input as Can well. Can I ask you a question first? Absolutely. How did this feel like a season ender to you? Great question. Uh, it didn't feel like one. It didn't, did it? No, it almost felt like a middle of the season mm-hmm. kind of episode. And... Um, I don't know, like, especially maybe for a sitcom, it felt like a strange note to go out on. And it felt, it felt, we talked about this a little bit last season. Although, like, I thought the last season finale was really strong. That was Mary Jo and the sexual right. assault situation. Okay. So at least there was something that I was like, it was just so highly emotional that, like, it was like a whole thing. But with this, and I know sitcoms don't always traditionally have, like, a cliffhanger. But, like... I don't have anything to come back for. Well, I'm hoping I come back to some better men. <laughs> or at least better written ones. Or, One at, of the two. At a minimum, Reese, man. I cannot square rational, reasonable, practical Julia, who also is a feminist, who believes in women's rights. I just cannot square her and Reese together. Yeah. I have so much trouble with that. I understand this concept that she's of a different generation. So there are certain parts of masculinity and manhood that are going to resonate with her that wouldn't necessarily resonate with me. I get that. But Reese was a real turd bucket in this one. <laughs> just spit everywhere. He was just not enjoyable. You will find that as we continue this conversation, you will see what really irked me along the way about him. Okay. Um, and that's peppered throughout. So I, uh, but I would say we are on the same page there. It was a real struggle for sure. So this, we both agree this was a weird season ender. Yeah. It almost feels like even the last episode, uh, Ted Bear yeah. would have been like a good walk away. If you're not going to leave us with a cliffhanger, at least leave us with something that feels resolute. And this episode, maybe intentionally so, I don't know where we're going next season, but maybe intentionally so, this one almost left felt open-ended because there were no words exchanged in the last scene. Can I give like a... No. <laughs> the answer is no. I don't care what the question is. I'm sorry. Like a, 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 a breakthrough to next season? Because I know what the first episode is about. Are you going to spoiler alert it? So spoiler alert, come back in 32 seconds, maybe. 20, <laughs> just hit forward once. Hit forward twice because it's me. Hit forward three <laughs> times because I'm going to sit here and talk about forwarding. <laughs> you want to tell them how to forward? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she almost did. She couldn't you, help herself. You figure it out on your own. <laughs> anyway, that goes against every bone in her body. <laughs> I will not do it. Um, so they're going on a group vacation. Okay. So it just feels weird that we're leaving on a group vacation, but I think it's like summertime and they're going on another group vacation. So no, again, maybe it's open-ended. The guys are kind of... There's nothing. Jerkwads. We leave the season open. Maybe there's some resolution. Can we go back and I want to say that wad is also a not favorite word for me. Wad's not a good word. And actually, <laughs> when, you, when you mentioned Wadsworth in the last episode, I giggled a little bit to myself because his name always makes me laugh. Oh, uh, uh, well. <laughs> Can I ask my question? I guess. Okay. We are. I mean, you could say no. I tried. This whole sleeping separately thing. This is what kicks off that whole argument that we're going to talk about what we liked and what we didn't. But I just wanted to see, like, for me, this was crazy. And I wanted to see what you thought about it. Okay. So Is what that did, it? What did I think about it? Yeah. What did you think about the whole sleeping separately <laughs> I thing? I actually put... Um, 
a Reese line in Things That I Like, which is related to this. The line where he said, I mean, we never said we were innocent of lascivious thoughts, but you girls don't have to act like you're the last boatload of virgins out of Pompeii either. And it's so funny because I appreciated him calling them out on it because I did think the sleeping separately thing was so odd. They're clearly all in active sexual relationships. Full-grown adults. Yeah. Nobody would expect anyone in this group, with the exception maybe of Charlene, to be virginal in any way. And only Charlene because she's just so naive, not because I know anything else about her sex life or her romantic life. Mm -hmm. Just because she's so childlike and is so, uh, with the last couple episodes ago, super religious. So, like, she's the only character I'm going to buy is not sexually active. And right. I still think she is because she's in her early 30s with a guy. And, and in an episode they had about them, they actually alluded to them having sex. Mm-hmm. So I don't even buy that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was silly. Yeah, I, it's exactly what this whole idea, this whole pretense, it just seems like it's verging on some kind of false morality. Yeah. And that is sometimes that thing that we've talked about with Julia before that's like, she says something along the lines of maintaining some semblance of decorum. Thank you. What? Why'd she pronounce it that way? Just there's like 18 things, right? Yeah, that was so weird. But yeah, I just, it, so it comes back to this whole thing with her where she just has these really strict rules. And this is a great example of one that makes not a lick of sense. Yeah. Um, and like ruins their whole weekend. Right. Like it's that thing you lean into and makes everybody miserable. And it's a control thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because before they got there, Julia and Mary Jo did this separately. They this It was talked about that they have assigned girls to sleep with girls. These are their words. And boys to sleep with boys. So even like they're infantile. Infantilizing. Thank you. Yeah. We have like one. three episodes where this exact same thing happens. <laughs> I'm like infantile. <laughs> So I just can't, I also can't imagine going on a friend, on a trip with friends and putting my husband, I guess none of these people are married, I guess, but like telling my husband, you're going to go sleep with so-and-so, the other guy. The guys aren't shacking up in a room together. That has never happened. Yeah. As long as I've been friends with my friends. Right. And I guess like coming, coming back to what you were saying about this is a finale, just in general with this as an episode, I wasn't exactly sure what to walk away with. Like, oh, yeah. Was it that men and women kind of hate each other, but gosh darn it, at the end of the day, we just want to slow dance. Weirdly. <laughs> men hate women more. They just genuinely don't like us, uh, is what I took away from this episode. But women are so weak that we're drawn to that. Yeah. Like Julia says at one point, like, I love men. I love this man. And he's literally the worst character in the entire episode. On his worst behavior. Yeah. I also just kind of like want to stretch myself to think a little bit about like what this episode would look like today. Mm. And it was not diverse at all. Right. It's all straight white Mm. couples Mm -hmm. um, of like means. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just kind of thought that what might be more like interesting today is to see like some diversity in that group. And how those couples might butt up against each other. What do those arguments look like? Mm, mm-hmm. What do those differences look like? Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be like a nice change for yeah. today. And then I've got 
I've got some stray observations. Go for it. Okay. How about it? Okay. I'll just be over here talking with myself. I'll turn off my mic and eat some more cereal. Nope, because I've got a question for you. So there's a lot of talk in the beginning about packing, and I just wanted to know, are you an overpacker? I tend toward the overpacking, yes. I am a Girl Scout at heart, so prepare for every situation. I might look at, like, I look at my bathroom and I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go ahead and take my nail clippers, but I'm also going to take the big ones and the little ones because what if I get a broken toenail and I need the big ones? And then I look at my tweezers and I'm like, oh, these are the pointy tweezers that could get out a splinter. Oh, but these are the flat edge ones. And if there's an incident and so it snowballs. So I start packing fun facts like a week before we go anywhere, because that gives me time to do my first pack, which is ideal world and then scale way back to what's reasonable. And is this ideal Nikki? Yes. Is it, isn't it Ellen who has a stand up? Yes. It's like yes. ideal packer and like it's you so never funny. run, but you take your running shoes. You're the aspirational packer. You're going to do like masks, facial yep. masks while you're there because why not? I have yeah. finally in my older age come around to, I work out enough that if I go on a week vacation, I can afford to not do my whole range of workouts. So I don't need my spin shoes plus my running shoes plus my walking shoes plus my weightlifting shoes. I just take one of them. It's going to be okay. Do you have weightlifting shoes? I, I mean, they're not weightlifting shoes, but they're shoes I wear when I lift weights. I They're like flat. They're not running shoes. I feel like that qualifies then as weightlifting shoes. I just don't know if there's like an actual weightlifting mm. brand or something. These are just cross-training shoes. Okay. Okay. So for me... I'm going to pack more for an overnight than I will for like a two-week trip. I definitely pack more if I'm in a car and have like pretty much all the space in the world. Mm-hmm. or Because you're going to fill it up, right? Right. It's like no matter how big my purse used to get, now it yes. just stays very tiny. Yeah. But like back in the day when that was a thing, like if there was space, oh, I was going to fill it. Sure. You've got the space. Why not? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm more likely to have like a coffee maker with me, like headed down to a friend's house to say, I'm like, what kind of coffee do you have? Because this might need this just in case. It's an actual exercise for me to go through this. I'm not kidding. My process is intense where I go through every item that I've proposed to pack and think worst case scenario, realistic scenario. And I crosswalk those two to decide, do I really need it? Do I really need, so if I'm going on a three-day trip, do I really need seven pair of underwear? Worst case scenario, I just wash one in the sink and let it dry overnight and I'm going to be okay. I'm always amount of days plus two. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. The plus two is in case anything could happen. (laughs) Anything could happen. You know, do you pack in your bedroom or do you need to take it to an all, I have to take it to another room. Is that right? Yeah. Oh God, I couldn't imagine spreading it across the house. I, I just take it to the guest bedroom, and it's all taken care of in there. I do it in the closet usually because I could close the door if it gets overwhelming to me to look at. Isn't it funny that we're sitting in my closet right now, but I've never thought to pack in here. I just take it to the That's next room. fascinating to me. That is interesting. <laughs> it takes all kinds. Sure does. And so I told you it was stray. <laughs> <laughs> so this comes back to my next stray observation. Perfect. Is, is about how you feel about Reese in this episode. <clears throat> turd bucket i'm pretty sure (laughs) that he and i are not compatible travelers because the second he tries to herd me like ranch cattle out the door i'm gonna lose my mind ask my friends about the time they tried to rush me out the door in the great 2008 incident only i am allowed to rush my family no one else is allowed to rush me doesn't work that way mama's the cow herder 
Y'all just the cows. And it really was like, and it reminded me of the uh, Howard episode where he's like, round them up, move them out. <laughs> Woo! Like, it Keep was. Okay. Oh, never mind. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> is that your favorite we? cuss word? Um, so, like, there was something about it that was really similar when I went back and watched it. And I was like, huh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Reese feels like your grandpa. Like, he just feels like a really, and not your grandpa, not my grandpa, but just like a grandpa. That's like, like oh, really crotchety grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's in my lines that I hated, but when he, like, said, and girls, we're not stopping at every rest area between here and North Carolina, so you better get in there right now and do your business before we take. You don't talk to me that way. Uh-uh. I'll pee in this car. <laughs> I will. I have pee bags I keep in my glove compartment, and I will pee right with you watching me if I, I don't need to. a bag. <laughs> Seats aren't even leather. It's not need, even easy clean. I don't need a bag. Where we're going? <laughs> bags? <laughs> we don't need bags. God help us. I'm going to pee in that Mercedes. Let's move on to the next Because you tray. know he's driving a Mercedes and I'm peeing That's right probably. in it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> or a Cadillac. He seems like a Cadillac driver. Oh, maybe. We get an answer on um, whether Suzanne and Dash are seeing each other. That was another. Did we get an answer on that? Well, she only invited him up here because both of the men she's dating fell and broke their hips. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because we weren't sure. And it seemed like they kind of made up earlier in the season, you know, when we met. They seemed romantic. (laughs) Pantic. I was going to say something cute. They're still like a little touchy. Yeah. But I think that's just Suzanne. I think she likes to keep irons in the fire. Same girl. <laughs> Even as we speak, <laughs> irons in the fire. I mean, what? A, uh, it, we'll save that for another podcast. Sure. So it's so weird, too, to think about how there are three marriages among the castmates in this one. I don't know if that, hit. like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it really was like they were on a couple's trip, except some of them were mixed up. Yeah, so it's really only Richard Gilliland and Gene Smart that aren't together on the show. We call that wife swapping. Uh, yeah, there's a show about it. And so, um, I don't know. I just wonder, like, is that experience weird for them? Um, or did that bring, like, a certain closeness because they have, like, a relationship off screen? Anyways, it was just something that was bouncing around in my head. How about what we liked? Which I know we've talked around some of these. So... You touched on this earlier at the very beginning of the episode uh, when Suzanne's telling Anthony he just cannot put her Louis Vuitton luggage on the top of the car. And he says, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know they were Louis Vuitton. In that case, we'll just get some young black porters to run alongside the car and carry it. That line just made me wish there was more Anthony in this episode. I think I'm just always going to be more like team more Anthony. There's never a time... I cannot fathom. Let me say that. I don't like to talk in absolutes. I have trouble fathoming a time where I'd be like, less Anthony, please. Yeah. It seems. We're going to have to start that. Team more Anthony. Team more Anthony. Team hashtag more Anthony. Voice memo. Note. (laughs) Check. I ab- okay, so I had two lines here from Reese that I loved. Mm -hmm. Uh, The one I mentioned earlier about uh, last boatload of virgins out of Pompeii. Mm -hmm. The second one is, my word, nobody's that ugly. Loved it. (laughs) So funny. That's the top of my list. Oh my gosh, I died. I thought that was hilarious. It was absolutely one of the funniest lines and one of the only funny lines that we got in the show because it was serious. Yeah, it was kind of serious. I liked when Julia said that that line about maintaining some semblance of decorum and JD quips back, we could, 
but it's not going to be as much fun. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that was good. Another one of my favorite lines uh, wasn't even from a cast member. It was that lady on Oprah they were watching on TV. <laughs> she said that her friend told her <laughs> men are amateur human beings. <laughs> Where's the lie? I'm just asking. <laughs> that was a real clip, too, because they think oh, was the it Oprah really? network at the end. Because I was like, I bet it's just not even really Oprah because they would have had to pay her or something. Oh, right. And then it, would, it had like a little thing. Oh, at the end, funny. I was like, well, there you go. The real, real clip. I feel like I'm dominating this. Do you have some lines you liked? Well, I, I have Julia's I, tirade, just by the way. I think was definitely a top for me yeah. because I do actually think that was one of the more. Pr- okay, hold on. Let me take a step back and say that what sort of struck me a little bit is that some of the arguments here are dated. Some of the arguments are stereotypical enough that you still recognize them for sure today. Her argument actually struck me is still highly relevant today. Mm -hmm. So we could, you want to talk about that since we're already talking about it? I have, Julia shuts it down like a total boss. She really did. Yeah, she really did. Um, So she's accused... They say, like, in case you haven't noticed, there's a war going on out there. I had a quarter for every time I heard that. Uh, And they say, and you women started it. And she says, oh, no, we did not. But that's a typical male attitude. Now, the truth is that we women haven't had enough power or money or confidence to start much of anything. But we sure as heck get the blame for everything. And I'll tell you something else. I love men. In particular, I love this one. But you cannot ignore a history. And history has shown that in general, it has been the men who have done the raping and the robbing and the killing and the warmongering for the last 2,000 years. It has been the men who have done the pillaging and the beheading and the subjugating of whole races into slavery. It has been the men who have done the lawmaking and the money-making and most of the mischief-making. So if the world isn't quite what you had in mind, you only have yourselves to thank. It wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't hateful. I do... I know your interpretation, though, is much more sing-songy. Oh. You know, because <laughs> Julia's all like, and it was the blah, 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 blah. But, but yeah. you know what? I actually didn't, it didn't sound angry to me. She sounded very like, because uh, at the end, did you see how she kind of sits down like triumphantly yeah. and kind of, hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, it did. I agree. It wasn't angry. It's just, I think she has such a very specific melody. So she's saying, I'm no Dixie Carter. Sorry about that. Um, you're Nick and Mays. But I'll say, like, I can identify with men feeling like, a spe- like, I kind of get that, like, women just hate us so much, and they're always honest about blah, blah, blah. I understand. I can get that that could get a little old after a while. That actually felt based in truth, though. Like, all of those things are things that men have done. And, like, if you'd like to call out all the ways women have destroyed humanity, I'd listen to that argument. But Just crack open the two pages in the history books where we are. Oh, right. Good point. Just show us. Fair. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was strong. It was real strong. It was really well done. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel, I mean, I just feel like it's really important to say it didn't feel angry. You're right. She did look triumphant at the end, but it didn't feel spiteful or accusatory. Passionate. Just like, let's just put some facts on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to slam the microphone while I do it. <laughs> just let's just it put some facts on the table and... And then let's have a conversation. No, I felt like the men sounded angrier. Oh, for sure. Um, God, men are the worst, especially the when men... written by women. <laughs> so it's so difficult. I think um, I think the w- women sounded more frustrated and tired. Mm-hmm. Um, because Mary Jo says at one point, like, you're just starting trying to start crap. Can yeah. you just leave us alone? We're on yeah. a trip. Shut up. Let me watch Oprah. 
And there were, and just thinking about things I like, there were some points that Julia made uh, aside from that that I thought were pretty good. She tells Dash that you can be strong and masculine, but also sensitive and vulnerable. Women do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And all I thought was, amen, sister. So I did want to tack onto that in all fairness. I think maybe we've talked about this here, or you and I have separately maybe, but young boys, especially in the past, and probably still somewhat to, in today's day and age, are like taught not to cry. Not to be emotional. I push Landon over all the time, and I'm like, just try crying, you little loser. I do it all the time. (laughs) Cry and see what happens. (laughs) Just push it on the staircase. (laughs) So um, I think, though, because of that, like, uh, that's what I'm saying, like, more so in the past, but I, I just can't imagine with some of the other things I hear in some places that it's not happening in any household Oh, anywhere, sure. Right? Yeah. That later down the line, then women are surprised that men can't be vulnerable with them, yes. right? Yes. And so yes. I, I do think that that is a part of this conversation and this idea only to say, I think we have to give everyone both the space and the opportunity to be fully emotionally evolved people. Yeah, I actually, so again, putting, we, we talk a lot in the show about how in certain topics, like we're not in a place where we can, we can talk on behalf of another group of people. You and I are who we are. We are like the identities that are attached to us and our personal experiences. So putting myself in, myself in men's shoes, like the societal expectation of men, I would never survive because I'm a crier and I just can't even imagine what my childhood would have been like if I had tried to have been an emotional boy mm-hmm. in the 80s and early 90s. Mm-hmm. That just wouldn't have flown. And so to your point then to get to an age where you have this female partner who's like, I want you to be here with me and I want you to see what I'm going through and understand. And they just, some people are not emotionally capable of it because they've been told their whole lives, shut that part of your brain off because I don't want to hear that. That's right. not for, for a person that's like you. That's not for you to do. Right. That has to be overwhelming. I guess. So this isn't necessarily a specific line, uh, but I, I really just like thinking about this one, you know? Yeah. Um, and like dissecting it because, you know, I'm a killjoy. And so, <laughs> yes, As yes. One does. As one does. As one does. This one's hard not to dissect, though. Well, looking at these, like I said, some of these perceptions I feel are a little dated, but it doesn't make, it doesn't mean they're not grounded in any reality. Right. But some of the things that kind of get lobbed back and forth at each other, we get women talk too much. They're not rational. They overanalyze everything. Although please do not get me started about how rich it is that we both overanalyze everything and we're not rational. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also on the male side of the thing, we get these ideas of men only caring about sex. They're distant. They don't listen. They're not as evolved. They're being overly concerned with manliness and all of these things. And I like thinking about how much these arguments have progressed Mm. over time Mm -hmm. and how much we actually really have evolved over the years. I'm not saying we solved it. (laughs) Sure. It's not solved. Um, But I would say that we've at least stumbled onto the fact that people are much more complicated than we would often and still to this day give them credit for that whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Ah, we're just different because it's not really that simple. We're just different, Selena. There are differences, but also we know something else to be true. 
We know that men can also talk too much. Oh, yeah. And we know that men can be irrational. And we know that they can overanalyze. On the other hand, we've also learned women like sex. They place some importance on it. And Not Suzanne. Well, guess what? We can also be misogynists. We can have and do it all. That's, that's, the, that's the women's way. Bottom line. Joy of my life. The, the absolute joy. If I can't delve into a little misogyny every day, count me out. Massage the misogyny is what I always say. Uh, bottom line, we don't all fit the picture this episode paints. And I think that's good news. And yeah. that was a strong like for me. Yeah. I... <sighs> I watched this TikTok video this morning where this guy was doing a skit of what his wife is like when she hears his parents are coming over (laughs) and she's like running around the house and he says they're coming over to drop something off. So she's cleaning the house. She's like putting dishes away. And I'm watching this dying laughing because it's true. And then she comes out of the bathroom and she's like, oh, thank God I'm all ready. She got her makeup done or whatever. And he goes, they just dropped it off on the front porch. They're done. And it just registered so true to me. And so that's an example of how you can like take that difference between men and women and make it funny without seeming like they're jabbing at us. But it feels like, yeah, that's true to my experience. I get that. I am that way. I'm also a very niche audience. It was on my feed and maybe not some other people's feed. But I enjoyed those sorts of sketches. I love to hear married couples rib each other about how different we are because you and I have talked about on the podcast how different we are from our husbands sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or all the time. It's okay. But it's okay. Like I don't – I'm certainly not saying that – that's why I said like I think it's changing but certainly some of these are steeped in a, a reality, Yeah. you know, or otherwise they wouldn't still be around. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that we're seeing things on more of a sliding scale mm-hmm. and, um, and that's okay. Cause it's okay to have differences and it's okay to have similarities and, and we don't all have Unless to be. Unless you're wrong. Well, absolutely. If you're wrong, please get out. <laughs> and there's clearly a right answer and a wrong answer. And what we think is right is right. And what other people think, is right is wrong. It's in, unless we think it's right. Correct. Okay. Right. Well, so we're on the same page. Yes. Ah. Do we want to talk about things that we didn't like? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Sexism. Just oh, like sorry. I love that. General use of the word girls to refer to like 30, 40, 50 year old women. Is that number one on your list? That is number one on my it list. It is number one on my list too. Just generally speaking, I do not enjoy it. So I have here, before we even get to North Carolina, I was over Reese. Before we left Sugar Bakers, I was over Reese. Yeah. When he said the bathroom thing, and it might be because it's personal, and it might be because my bladder's tiny, but I do not need someone telling me I can't stop to go potty. And my husband would never deign to tell me I can't stop to go potty. No. He would say... We're passing through a big city. Do you want me to go ahead and stop so you can go to the restroom? Because I don't think we're going to have another chance for a little while. I'm going to tell you, too, that I think Reese probably has a prostate issue, and I think they're stopping frequently at his age. That's what I think. I don't believe that he's not stopping to use the bathroom. I hate Reese. (laughs) Gaslighting me. So the most stops I have ever made between here and Virginia, bless it. I love them. But it's my grandfather. Oh. And we were stopping every 20 minutes, so much so that I flew home by myself. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of stops. I finally, like, I was like, Dad, can I just use my flight privileges and fly home? Because I can't. I can't. Ha- I saw every McDonald's from here to Virginia. That's tough. Yeah. 
people have body issues and we don't need to call them out on it is the bottom line. Unless you're my grandfather, apparently. I'm going to say, sure. There was nothing wrong with him. He's just older. You know, he's got to be. It's fine. I just didn't want to be there for it anymore. That's all. Right before you got in the car, you said, now, ladies, we will not be stopping at every restroom. I will have you know that when I was 19, we went to Miami and on spring break. With your grandparents? No. Oh, okay. With some girlfriends. Okay. Oh, actually, we were 18. Three of us were 18. One of us was 21. The 21-year-old female turned around to us and said, ladies, we will not be stopping from here to Miami. Do you understand me? We are getting to Miami toot sweet. And we were not allowed to stop the entire time. So. And you said toot. And sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I also hated when Julia said, I like Phil Donahue. I think he's as sharp and incisive as Ted Koppel. So Reese responds with, yeah, well, I think he's a woman. That's the mentality, man. That's the mentality. He should be so lucky. Yeah. That just drove me crazy. That was my last line I really hated. I hated Dash quoting Samuel Johnson. Oh. Nature has given women so much power, the law has very wisely given them little. Oh, yeah, Dash. Well, up yours. And then also, I... I like Dash. Did you say you like Dash? I like Dash. I gave him a pass on that one because that's literature. I that's not Dash. I think this... See, and I was wondering if that was telling us who, that, who he was. Mm. But what was really great, actually, is Julia shot him the, the death beams. Mm. She gave him the old, the old what's it for? <laughs> just with the old eyeballs. And she just, like, stared through them. And then he went, I mean, not that I feel that way. Right. And like shrunk down. I was like, that's right. So, you know, actually, as you're saying that, um, one thing I noticed was the men sort of, uh, and Reese was the ringleader. He's the oldest. He should know better. Um, but he was the ringleader. I think he really egged them on. So I hold nothing, honestly, and you might hate me for saying this. I hold nothing against JD and Dash Goff because I think they were egged on by Reese. You think they would get riled? Because even um, the man whose name I should know because he's going to become really important to Charlene. Bill. Bill. Um, Colonel Bill. They started pulling Bill in. They got him in the laser beams and started pulling him in. And he whipped it right back around. So as all Reese's falls, the bottom line. I, I think he was definitely the worst. I think he was the worst. There is something in the cut lines, though, that kind of irked me with JD. Mm. And I think it's him that said But it was it. cut. It doesn't count. It doesn't even count. <laughs> um, it's as if it, I'm nothing if not objective. <laughs> I can really bring you around. <laughs> uh, uh, the only other thing that I had was this argument that they gave that women are trained to boost men's egos from the time they're basically in elementary school. And this is a tactical maneuver to manipulate men. Mm. Oh, sure. So, Psh. I mean, mm. so I was only three when this episode came out. Not even three yet. And I... And I was much younger. So much younger. <laughs> so was... much further away from three. <laughs> months three months <laughs> um but anyways i i think that there is a little bit of truth to that in previous generations but i think that's lessening as women actually have the ability to have power of their own that they don't get through a man 
And even still, I really hate it a lot. Tactical maneuver feels really unfair. Like women were groomed to make men feel good about themselves, not because there's anything beneficial to women. It was surviving. It was surviving. Yeah. It was doing the thing you were quote unquote bred to do, Mm -hmm. which is breed some more. And you got to have a man to breed. I'm putting quotes around all this, guys. And so you got to, you know, like you got to do the thing that's going to get him in. I was going to say lore, but I don't think it's that. No. I don't think it's that. No. I think it's giving men what they want because that's what they've trained you societally to do. It's the, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's the only way that I'm concerned women could we get sound power. like man eaters. The only, <laughs> she's a man eater. <laughs> I'd love for somebody to call me a man eater. Bring it on. I love men. In fact, I love my husband. I, I love men. In fact, I love this man right here. The worst of them. Yeah. Except he teared up when she sang How Great They Are. But that was Hal Holbrook. That was Hal we, who we love. dislike Reese. He's a we real love turd Hal. He is the worst thing to be called <laughs> than a turd nugget. Not in my mind. Anything else that you want to cover? Well, then you know what that means. It is time to rate this sucker. And what is your rating scale? Extra baggage. Okay, all Mm. right. Two out of five. And they're lucky they got a two out of me. I hate ending it on this note. Um, I think there were some bright spots this season. And to end it this way just feels like... (sighs) Well, we ended with a five out of five last season. Yeah. And this feels like a real downturn. That final, I'm torn on that final scene where it was all body language. Mm-hmm. Because like you you latched onto this earlier where what, are, what do you want us to take away from this? That women are just like. We just can't help it. We can't help ourselves. You're so good when you're bad. Right. That's the other thing, that song that was playing. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I know what it means, but yeah. come on. Yeah. You're being a real piece of poop and you slap me around sometimes, but I just have to touch you. What? And like aggressive like verbally aggressive the worst thing that reese could think to call phil donahue was a woman yep in front of the quote-unquote woman he loves yeah which leads me to believe men don't really love women (laughs) certainly not reese no strong stances today (laughs) (laughs) well i gave it 3.4 out of 5 3.4 what planet were you on well because okay mars can i can i no (laughs) you're a woman no yes go ahead sorry you've clearly over and under analyzed this (laughs) sorry go ahead carry on and we're obviously clearing up that stereotype that women talk too much right too with the podcast i'm talking right so 3.4 out of 5 improbable avalanches (laughs) real bothered by that one yes so even though i think it's a strange finale agreed i was still into hearing what everyone had to say and it did keep my attention i needed to know where this was going um and i thought even though i didn't think it was funny (laughs) i thought it was interesting dialogue yeah and i thought the dialogue was well written um and like i said earlier i like this idea that something even if it's bothersome, it got me thinking. Sure. And if something gets me thinking and it makes me want to sit down here, like I've been excited for you to come over and hear what you thought. because you love me. Because I love you and because I love to hear what you have to say about this show. And this one in particular, I was like, we got to unpack this. And to me, that is the measure of a 3.4 kind of episode. 
Generous, I say. References? Bill Donahue. What's that under? Combination? Combination. Okay. Mm-hmm. 80s slash unknown. Obviously, I know Phil Donahue. I know of the Phil Donahue show. Uh, but for folks who don't, uh, his television program was the first talk show format that included audience participation. The show had a 29-year run on national television that began in Dayton, Ohio in 1967 mm-hmm. and ended in New York City in 1996. He's been called the king of daytime talk. He's one of the most influential talk show hosts. And Oprah Winfrey, I included this because she was included in the episode. Oprah Winfrey has stated, if it weren't for Phil Donahue, there would have been no Oprah show. Mm-hmm. So, It's also just, I think it's such a, a time capsule. Um, the 80s and the 90s were all about talk shows. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know that to be the case anymore. Like, who is it? Rachel Ray. She has like a, but these are morning times, right? Drew Barrymore. Is that on TV or is that just digital? So. Oh, I thought it was just. I think so. Okay. Oh, oh. guess I should have done some research. <laughs> Me too. Before I, just, I said, uh huh. I didn't think it. I think you're right. I think talk shows were much more widely watched. And I think that's just, again, we've had this conversation women before. women were at home sitting around twiddling their thumbs. Just pregnant and barefoot. <laughs> two accomplishments. <laughs> two biggins. Manning. <laughs> oh. Uh. Anything else from the 80s? You're so good when you're bad. That was the song playing at the end of the episode. Oh, I'm glad it's you looked that up. 1982 country song by Charlie Pride. Um, incidentally, he passed away in December 2020. Charlie Pride was one of three African-American members of the Grand Old Opry, the others being DeFord Bailey and Darius Rucker of Hootie and the Blowfish fame. Uh, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2000. Yeah. So that was a real song, and it was by a real artist. Yeah. All right. I think you covered all of my 80s as well, so we're all good there. The only thing I'll say about Oprah is that 80s Oprah is different than the, like, goat that we know today. And I do mean greatest of mm-hmm. all time, mm-hmm. to be clear. <laughs> she was super young in her career. Um. Yeah, and I think it was just like, I mean, she was well known, but I just not at quite the level. Like, she has her own channel you know she had the the oprah's book club like just as a magazine i mean she is like the woman she's weirdly a polarizing figure i think um she's incredibly popular so a ton of people must love her but i was taking a quiz online the other day of like people who you assume have really great reputations in like the public arena mm-hmm. oprah was not quite as high as i would have expected once i put in my answer her rating wasn't as high as i would have expected for oprah winfrey like i sort of assume 90 percent of people love her sure well, it's more in the order of like 40 really that is lower than i would have thought and it was buzzfeed so it wasn't like a oh yeah representative of an audience that wouldn't love oprah for some reason sure so i don't know oh also i lied ted koppel oh he was the Nightline anchor from 1980 to 2005, and that does feel pretty squarely in the start of an 80s reference. Oh, yeah. I was going to say a really big window, too. Oh, yeah. Also that. Also a long career. Southern things. We had a University of Arkansas reference uh, when Reese was small talking with Dash at the lodge. Indeed. And where is that ski lodge that's not in Southern California? <laughs> they were in North Carolina. So that's another Southern reference. Oh, that's right. And then Suzanne referring to makeup as cosmetics. I don't know why it's Phil Southern. 
my southern references aren't always foolproof. <laughs> but this one is. There was the phrase used. And that just sticks in my crawl. I'm sorry. That's southern. That was definitely developed here in the south. Okay. References we would need to talk about? Hot buttered rum. Oh, wow. Okay. This actually came up for me in a, like a real conversation recently. I've never heard of this until two months ago. Um, and I have to file this under poorly named things. This makes me think of butterscotch. Mm -hmm. I, like I'm just, I don't know what I'm imagining, but it is not a mixed drink containing rum, butter, hot water, or cider, a sweetener, and like cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves. I think I would, I, I don't know what I think it is, but it was not that. Um, it's especially popular in the fall and winter and is traditionally associated with the holiday season. In the United States, the drink has a lengthy history that dates back to colonial days. During that time, many families had their own individual recipes, and early Americans believed rum to be nutritious and a strengthener of the body. It's good for your bones. Rum? Yes. Rum bones. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. So, wait. You were confused that hot butter rum has butter and rum in it? I expected the butter and rum. Yeah. I think I don't know what else I was it expecting. It sounds delicious but, to me. Well, mixing sound good cider. I don't like cider very much. Oh, but it also, one I time I visited a friend in a very cold place, Rhode Island, and I had Wassel? mulled wine. Oh. Ugh. It was so bad. Alcohol is, in my opinion, not delicious, but I drink it because <laughs> sometimes it's good. Sometimes, mm -hmm. like, once you've had a couple sips, it's good. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to drink hot alcohol. Oh. See, that's right up my alley. Blah. <laughs> But that's because those are all my favorite spices, too. Oh, and not in a drink. Oh, I can't. It's, I love mulling spices. So, sorry. I I'm tried sad. chai tea several years ago after swearing I wouldn't like it. And I really like chai tea. Love chai. So, I might be missing the boat on this because the person How who... How old were you? When I had chai tea? No. When you had mulled wine. Oh, uh, 26, 27, 28. Give it another shot. Uh, you oh. may have come around the bend. It's but just, if it is a heat thing It's a heat you, thing. I what think. about sangria? See, I just don't find these to I be worlds apart. I don't love sangria. Mm, okay. It just may not be for you. It's just not. It's all right. You know what? It's for somebody else. I mean, I can live with it. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Um, uh, I think. I mean, I think, I guess glue wine is pretty much the same thing. This is what's served in like the Christmas markets. It's German. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not actually wine of glue. Or is it, you know? I also had to look up the family in the Grapes of Wrath going skiing. Um, you mentioned this when we recorded uh, an episode recently. Sorry, <laughs> I think I wrote my notes weird. <laughs> but he says, we're like the family in the Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine the Depression era family. I, know, I don't know they're why just, I said that. They're just picking up from the dust bowl and heading to the This gets ski to true confession time. I've never actually read the Grapes of Wrath. So for all I know, they're out skiing. No, I know what it's about. Uh -huh. I've never actually read it. Uh, so in case you're like me and you haven't actually read it, it's by American realist, uh, John Steinbeck and it was published in 1939. It won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Um, it's set in the Great Depression. It focuses on the Jodes, a poor family of tenant farmers driven from their Oklahoma home by drought, economic hardship, agricultural industry changes, and bank foreclosures, also called the Dust Bowl. Due to their nearly hopeless situation, and in part because they're trapped in the Dust Bowl, the Jodes set out for California, along with thousands of other Okies, seeking jobs, land, dignity, and a future. So I can only imagine their wagon or cart was weighed down with their possessions. 
Right, which is, I think, what it was supposed to evoke. I had a couple of thoughts about this reference, which was one Race is... Race is old. Damn, that reference was old, even for them. <laughs> Race is 100 years old. But it, at least it's coming from someone who's old. I think it would have been way weird if, like, Suzanne had said it, you know? So I have not... I don't want to... Oh, well, I'm a literary guru, but I mean, I'm familiar with it, right? Cause, when was the movie made, do you know? Well, there's been a few. So one was made in the 40s. Okay. I think. And then, um, you know what? In my, what year did you say it was written? 39? 1939. I think it may have been like 1940. They like whipped that sucker out really quick. What a horrible way to phrase that. Great, glad I did that. Anyways, then it was redone again in the 90s, and that had Gary Sinise in it, or Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump, for those who don't know who Gary Sinise is. And, um, oh... I'm blanking on his name. He's like a really famous character actor. Oh. Um, it'll come back to me. I don't want to... Uh, I was going to say Henry Fonda was in the... Uh, original? Original. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was 1940. For some reason, I was thinking one came out in like the 60s, which would have been like in the prime time for this show's like main market. Oh. But no. Yeah. I don't know. It felt really like an old reference, except I knew it was Dust Bowl related, so I figured it had to do with a... Heavily weighed down wagon. Well, you think that's bad. I think I'm getting, I think I'm getting stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got this confused. The one I'm thinking of is also written by John Steinbeck, but the actual thing is of Mice and Men. Oh, right. Which means that the reference that also I did, read that. the reference that I gave last time about Lenny accidentally killing the bunny by petting it too hard is uh. from Of Mice and Men. It's not from Grapes of Wrath. So I screwed all of that up. <laughs> Great. Um, Update. So, uh, and then the other thing that I had is like actually that where they moved in California, I think is to Salinas Valley. And that's actually what I'm named after. So after mom went through all the, the bees she went to high school with, I couldn't have any other names. <laughs> Pop, boop, up, <blah>, Selena. <laughs> all right. I also looked up Samuel Johnson. Mm. I get all of the English guys confused. It just all starts. He to was run the guy together. that was in Snakes on a Plane, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Samuel Jackson, <laughs> English writer. Right, right, right. Literature, <laughs> literature. Um, so he, did you know who he was? Oh, literature. <laughs> That's the extent. Well, but you're okay. gonna say it, and I'm gonna be like, oh, right. I did. I, I thought he was going to be like an Enlightenment period guy or something. See, I would have thought like 20s, 30s. Like Grapes of Wrath era. Oh, this is more like 1700s. Oh, you know yeah. what? This is what I'm saying. Yeah. If your name's Samuel Johnson, I don't that know. He could be from any era. That tracks. Okay, okay. I think I'm on board with you now. He's not good. good. <laughs> I'm on Thank board you. with history. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so he is an English writer who made lasting contributions as a poet, a playwright, an essayist, a moralist, a critic, a biographer, an editor, and a, a lexicographer. <laughs> Like lexiconographer. Well, doesn't it feel like there should be an N in there, but there's not. I don't have the word in front of me, so I'm going to guess. Lex Lexographer. That sounds good. I like that. Lexinographer. I feel like I'm going to get myself in trouble. Yeah. So basically he did all of those things. He was also a sexist, apparently. I was going to say, when you hold women down, you can do a lot of things. You can do so much. <laughs> Less competition. Feeling bad for Mrs. Johnson. Anyways, he created the most commonly used and imitated dictionary prior to the publication of the Oxford Dictionary 
which was in 1928, but for 150 years before that, that was the go-to dictionary. Good for him. I love him. wonder how he would feel about certain words being include, included in the dictionary today, like selfie, emoji. I, he'd probably love it. Sophocles. That was another reference. There were a lot of like highbrow references in this one, I feel like. He's one of three ancient Greek tragedians whose plays have survived, and he's most known for Oedipus Rex. And then we also get a Virginia Woolf reference. She is the English writer, considered one of the most important modernist 20th century authors, and a pioneer in the use of stream of consciousness as a narrative device. She's also, sadly, the person who walked into the river with stones in her pocket to drown herself. Mm. Very sad. Cut lines. Uh, We're not laughing at Virginia Woolf. We're laughing at my transition. This is the transition of the world. Uh, When Julia was giving Suzanne a hard time about how she overpacks, they said, uh, that time mother and daddy took us to the Grand Canyon, they had to destroy your burrow. Well, I'm sorry, but I think... I think I should be entitled to take extra baggage since I don't have a man traveling with me. What does that have to do with it? Well, you have Bill and Julia has Reese and Mary has Mary Jo has JD. And since Dash is meeting us at the lodge and not taking up space in the car on the way there, I think I should get the little perk of taking some extra baggage. She's not wrong. Um, but secondly, I felt like that provided a little extra context to the setup of the episode. I agree. Uh, but also, <laughs> that's disturbing, right? What's that? Well... That they had to destroy a burrow, a donkey. They had to kill a donkey. They had to kill a donkey because she put so much burrow, yeah. like a like a rabbit burrow, like a little nest. Suzanne's burrow isn't that another word for a donkey? Burra. So what did they destroy? I'm imagining it was like a little nest of stuff that she had piled up. Okay. I thought they killed an animal and said destroyed. That would be sad. And I was very disturbed. That would be sad. Uh, there were some conversations between the men that were cut. Mm-hmm. I uh, like how you skipped right over that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not skipping over it. I said that would be sad. <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, but there was some. There's just some back and forth between the men that I thought was really funny. Uh, and then after Reese accused women of overanalyzing everything, I guess the Oprah guest said, was it 76 or 77% of the women in your study shared that said men don't listen? And one of the men said, can you believe that? Men don't listen. Listening is what men do best. They never get a chance to talk. I'm guessing Mary Jo maybe says, you seem to be doing all right. Then I think the Oprah guest continued, well, because first of all, men act certain ways that drive women totally crazy. One of those ways is to be distant. Another way is that men drive women crazy is by those dominating behaviors, those little, and that gave up, gave the setup for Dash's next remarks where he says basically like, and can you believe they're talking about these things or whatever? It just sort of seems random in the episode missing those lines. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure why they pulled those out. I don't, the only other thing that I'll add to the cut lines thing is there was like some kind of line about wishing they had penises. Uh, hold on. Let me look. Are up. you just looking for a reason to use that word in this episode? <laughs> Gotta get that bingo card. We know <laughs> where that's that coming. <laughs> what a beautiful cheer. Um, we know where that's coming from. Well, I'll tell you what really kills me is that stuff that Freud said about us wanting what men have. I mean, penises. 
<laughs> That's me saying that. Oh, okay. oh, oh, oh. So now I mean, uh, now I mean, is that the most absurd thing you ever heard of? Like we're going to walk up to some guy and go, yeah, boy, I sure wish I'd like to have me one of those. Yes, sir. If I just had me one of those, I would be in business. M Mary Jo, I do not believe you. You are completely out of control. That's right. And you are not the boss of me. She's drinking some hot buttered rum. She is probably drinking some hot butter buttered rum. What stood out to me about that line is that him saying that she's out of control. I'm like, really? Why? Wow. This whole conversation's out of control. You're worried about that comment? It's kind of silly. Gotta maintain some decorum. Yep. You ready for next episode? I'm ready. Oh, uh, well. Oh. Next episode, we're going to have one. It's our finale finale. We did this last season. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you like I know. I briefly forgot. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to take a couple weeks uh, break, and we're going to come back with a special episode. Are you really going to watch Howard the Duck? Well, you, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I don't know that I'm going to have the same reaction to Howard the Duck that you had to Pretty Woman. Howard the Maybe. Duck. Oh, there's songs? Hey. So she's going to watch Howard the Duck. So if you didn't listen last season, I watched Pretty Woman for the first time. So you could go back and listen to that episode as sort of like a preview for this one, except it's a totally different movie and a totally different person. But go listen to that episode just so you can listen to that episode. Well, it's Pretty Woman. <laughs> <laughs> and then watch Howard the Duck so that you can play along with Selena. She gives us her play-by-play -play reaction. All you have to do is go pay for it. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry about that. It's worth the money, says someone. <laughs> We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. Email SweetTeaTVPod at gmail.com. www.SweetTeaTV.com for our show notes with all of our references. And an excellent season-ending gift that you could give Selena and I is to share the show with a friend. Or leave us a rating or review. We'll take either one. But if you really want to do the most, just do, do both. Yes, do everything. Do both, really? Yeah. And follow us on social media. It, yeah, do all the things. So what do we got for extra sugar this week? This week's extra sugar is going to be going out on a light note. You know, this like episode was heavy. It was. And so what we want to do is talk about some memories and some fun things to do in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Ah, tying to the North Carolina mountains that may or may not have avalanches. They definitely don't. And you know what that means. What's that, Selena? Somebody's going to prove me wrong, and then we'll see you around the bend. Bye. And welcome to this week's edition of extra sugar and incidentally our final extra sugar of the nope our penultimate extra sugar oh <laughs> before the finale finale we may have one then. right 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 if okay. we come up with something extra sweet we'll let you know in the meantime <laughs> nikki loves me <laughs> this time we thought that we'd go out as we mentioned, on a lighter note, and talk a little bit about some memories of the Blue Ridge Mountains inspired by this supposed North Carolina backdrop of the episode. We all know that we are in Southern California. It's fine. I thought in that last dance scene that that picturesque snow coming out in the backdrop totally looked real. Sure. Super realistic. Sure. So the first thing I want to do is say, like, some people may not be familiar with the Blue Ridge Mountains. So I thought I would talk just real quickly about that, what, what that is. And it's a segment of the Appalachian Mountains that extends 
Someone tells me 615 miles from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, through parts of Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and all the way down to Mount Oglethorpe, Georgia. Technically, the Great Smokies in Tennessee are also an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains. So for any reason, if you wanted to talk about Tennessee, good news, Nikki. I'm very glad you did that because I get very confused about the distinction between the Blue Ridge Mountains and the Great Smoky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains. It's so a thank thing. You for that. It's a thing. So the other thing that gets confusing for people is that in Georgia, we have the city of Blue Ridge. So right. there's also that guy too. Um, so in case there's any confusion between all these different areas, now you know. I got sad because I, can, I actually have some things about more the northern side of the Appalachians that I can't talk about because it's outside of that 615 miles. What are you going to do? Who says you can't talk about it? It's our show, Selena. I guess I could, but I'm, you know, I like to put strict rules on myself and then follow them to the letter and then to talk about it. I appreciate that about you. So Nikki. So Selena. So Nikki, tell me if you disagree, but I feel like in this part of the U.S., if you're planning a trip, it's likely going to fall into one of these two major buckets. You're either headed to the beach. <laughs> I like You like how I pointed up for that? <laughs> you know what? I was expecting you to say something totally different than you did. So. Perfect. <laughs> you're either headed to the beach or you're going to the mountains. Correct. And chances are, if you're a southerner, you're going to land somewhere in Blue Ridge. It's if you go by. to the mountains, correct. That's right. If you, go to the, if you went to the beach, you went the wrong way. Right. That would I be was driving. <laughs> Let's just drive up. See what happens. <laughs> see what this thing goes. Maybe I'm going to Jersey Shore. There's a beach there, but it's not it's not a southern beach. That's that's right. I yeah. think you would have noticed eventually. Eventually. <laughs> As a start, I thought we could talk about some of our favorite memories. And I was wondering, can you kick us off with one or two? Yes. And while you were talking, I realized I left off my favorite memory oh. in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Oh. I got engaged. In the Blue Ridge Mountains, ah. at the, the kind of the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, but a place called Pretty Place, or Sims Chapel, which is attached to the YMCA camp. I don't actually know what town it's in, but it's north of Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. Okay. And it is literally, literally, a chapel built into the mountainside. And there's a cross that um, you mentioned in an Easter segment recently you used to go to sunrise service mm -hmm. at easter you can go to a sunrise service and the sun rises behind this wooden cross built overlooking the mountains that's cool and it's gorgeous and that's where kyle proposed to me because i think it's such a beautiful place that's so nice you can get married there too we did not but you can you could have got married that day i could have maybe i did maybe you didn't have the paperwork you don't know that did you yeah. Now, I totally forgot about that. I should have mentioned that. So that was one. Well, now you have. And first. Thank God. The other one is we did a New Year's cabin trip uh, with another couple for a few years. It was a little, it was a tradition we did for two or three years uh, to outside Bryson City, North Carolina. Cute. Uh, so cute. Um, and we loved doing that. The first year we went and we drove into Cherokee and did New Year's at the Cherokee uh, Casino. I want to say Harrah's, but that doesn't feel right. Oh, it might be right. Yeah. So we did uh, New Year's there, and mm -hmm. I have strong feelings about Cherokee, strong feelings about the casino, but it was fun. 
Mm -hmm. It's fun. We haven't been back. Um, that was fun. So we did, we did that for a few years, which was really fun. Yeah. We went to Bryson city not that long ago. Well, kind of now a couple, who knows after 2020, I don't remember time, but it was before then. I keep saying 2020 and it's 2022. It's one of those years. Um, but it is super cute and they've got like, it feels very traditional in terms of thinking about like a mountain town because they have like the railroad situation mm-hmm. in the middle and the, like the old timey cars and stuff yeah. that you can go inside. Yeah. So that's a cool place. What are some of your favorite memories? Uh, so this is like a little tough for me because we're in such close proximity, uh, especially where we sit to part of Blue Ridge here in Georgia that like we sort of find ourselves up there a few to several times a year mm-hmm. just because it's so it's just a hop skip and it's not even a hop skip and a jump. It's just a hop. Right. So, uh, you know, when I think about, uh, the Appalachians, I think about it being like majestic and like peaceful and dreamy and rugged. And so I just wanted to say like, in general, I love, I think there's just something really special about them. And, um, in there in going to any like mountainous area in this part of the country is just really something special that I think the East coast offers. And I've been to the Rockies and I've been to the Sierras. I've been to the Alps and they are crazy cool. And I'm, I'm not taking that away from them, but there is just something about this mountain chain that I just think is really special and wonderful. And if you're in the Smokies and the way that it's smoky or the reason that it's called Blue Ridge, we didn't talk about that, but it releases some kind of something into the air. And that's what gives it that blue like hue and tint. And I know I've just stood at some really beautiful places and looked out over that landscape and it's very peaceful. And I swear, I feel like my blood pressure drop or something. My mom and I were having this conversation actually, and I'm remembering it right now as you're saying that, because I bought some pictures to hang over our couch that are prints from an artist um, of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I just had been searching for something to put on the wall, and I just could not think of what to do. And the Blue Ridge Mountains just feel like home to me. Mm -hmm. My grandparents um, in South Carolina where they live, it's the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and it just feels like home. To your point, every time I go up there, I just feel like... this is nice and is there some of that ancestral pull i wonder maybe um you know my uh so my dad's side of the family is from the pancakes of kansas Mm -hmm. just total flat but my other side of the family is from uh kentucky Mm -hmm. and so they are um they're they're like in i think some sort of tail outskirt like part Mm. of like the foothills Mm -hmm. and I, i and then also some some craners were from Tennessee. And so I'm just wondering, like, it's almost if it is some of that's written into your DNA. I don't My know. My mom looked at those pictures and she goes, well, that's the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah. Didn't even like, didn't even phase her. She yeah. said, it's Blue Ridge Mountains. To your point, like they're a little blue, they have that bluish hue. But yeah, she said that, that's the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I said, yeah, you know, I just, it, they really, those pictures spoke to me. Like I just was searching around and they spoke to me and we both, almost at the same time, we were like, it just feels like home. Right. And remind me, you've been to the Biltmore, but just not Biltmore at Christmas? That's right. Okay. So you know the part of the tour where you go out on their balcony? Yes. And then you look out over the mountain. 
that is just the most stunning Beautiful. view. Yeah. yeah. And I could just, and I always like, I know why they don't put chairs out there. Oh, because people would just. You put a rocking chair out there and it's over. Yeah. Yeah. You're never going to get them to leave. Yeah. Like so. we, we have been to cabins up in the mountains several times. And yeah, I can sit out on the front porch and rock on a rocking chair. I mean, I can do that at my own house, but if I can look at mountains, I can do it forever. Yeah. And I mean, just because we are a Southern podcast, just the idea of rocking chairs in general, yeah. man, it just really pulls I love me a in. rocking chair. Turns me into an 80 year old like that. Mm. Um, so my favorite memories. I think I've mentioned uh, before that Casey and I pretty much make an annual trip up to the apple orchards and um, a pumpkin patch up in North Georgia. And so we get pumpkins for the house every fall. We get all the sweet treats. We drive around. And um, sometimes we'll go for like different hikes. We've gone to like Amicalola Falls and we've driven over to Helen and done Unicoi Park and all of this. And so that's just really nice. So that's like an ongoing thing, but it definitely happens almost every year a couple of exceptions but there was this one time in particular where Casey and I were meeting some friends and Helen but they were running late and we were driving around and just kind of taking our time and we randomly found this obscure little trail and had like an impromptu hike mm. and I that's what I love I love that there's always something new to find in those trips even as much as like I love my favorite spots and it's just I it's just everything's really pretty to look at. I know that sounds silly, but it's just like a feast for the eyes. I don't think it's silly. And I will I will say that you mentioned Unicoi Park. Mm-hmm. Kyle and I, before we had kids on one of those glorious weekends, like you're talking about, where you just sort of drive up to meet friends or we were just like figuring out something to do for a Saturday afternoon, drove up toward Helen and we stumbled on the Unicoi Wine Festival. Just uh-huh. happened to be happening. Mm-hmm. So we got out of the car, paid our tickets, and went. And, and it's, like you said, just beautiful. Like, there are mountains. You can look over and see mountains, and there's, that, like, crisp feeling in the air. Mm-hmm. So that was actually one of my favorite memories. And then you mentioned um, trails. And we took the kids on a hike up near Springer Mountain, um, which is actually the terminus of the Appalachian Trail, which runs from... Georgia, all the way up to, did you say Maryland or Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. All the way to the the terminus, the mm-hmm. other terminus. Um, so we did just like an easy hike. I think it was called Long Creek Falls. It's a beautiful waterfall. It was a super easy hike, even with mm-hmm. little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, it became one of my favorite memories because the Appalachian Trail, like I'm, it's on my list. I will hike it at some point. Probably not all, definitely not all of it. I know that. But some significant segment of it. I just want to hike it. It just Me sounds too. cool. I got to stand on it at the terminus. We were hiking and there was a sign that said, this is the start, you know, an access point for the Appalachian Trail. I think I've been there. It was amazing. There's like a book that somebody wrote about there. I feel like maybe they had just gotten out of like rehab or something and they decided what they wanted to do was the Appalachian Trail and it's about that experience. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a 10 years old now or something, maybe 15 years old. But when that book came out, I was like, oh, I would love to go on that, on the Appalachian Trail. And then Casey was like, you realize... There's going to be like bears and snakes and bugs. And I was like, I'm going to have to think about it, I guess. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Like I would really have to dig in. But I love that idea. We've talked about like sabbaticals. And mm-hmm. it, I, do, I just feel like you could really find yourself out there if you did And that. people do. I mean, they prepare mm-hmm. for months. They train for months. And then you're out there for a month, maybe a month and a half, maybe two. Is it all the way up to like past Blue Ridge though? Or does it stop? Like, do you, I thought for whatever reason I thought that doing the Appalachian Trail you went all the way up to like 
New York or wherever you do. they dump off. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, it goes okay, that's across all the states. Okay. Yeah. That's I, why I say it can take you, you months. Okay, months. I thought you said a month, and I'm like, Mah. maybe a month. I, I can't remember exactly how long it takes. But yeah, it's, you'd I mean, be covering some go serious to, Go to clip. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a journey. Yeah, right. And that's what this whole thing's about, right? It's an emotional and a physical journey. Yeah. And those two would really coincide. I Turns think. out it's just enough for me to stand on it. That was a real moment of excitement in my life. That made it to my top memories. I get that. There was something where we stood on like they there's somewhere I think it might even be in Georgia with a fault line or yeah. something. Yeah. And I was like, I barely remember what this is, but we were like I'm taking such pictures a sucker on for it. those things. I'm like, I am fault s- line. that place where the four states meet. Mm. That's, that's on like my a list. dream. This is yeah. just on my list. I but, just have to do it. Hand hand, right? You tell me any of that stuff, I'm all over it. What is it about that? It feels like you completed something, but it's not that hard. Because it's the only one of its kind. That's what it is. It's the Unique. thing. Yeah. yeah. I love those little things. Right. And it feels like string theory or something. I'm in four places at once. Oh, yeah. You know, can't always get that. My last memory, speaking of you adding your engagement. Oh, uh-huh. So I got married in Dahlonega, which is technically the foothills. So feels like I should throw that one in there. It's a good one. Uh, Nikki was there. And, but she, she was there for the wedding, but it was actually a whole weekend event. She didn't invite me for the weekend. You be there now. <laughs> ah, but it was a weekend event for family and friends. Um, you know, I was up there the whole week preparing, but we had a huge bonfire the night before his grandparents made barbecue for all of our friends and family. Like we literally broke bread. Literally is probably not the right word there. Literally. <laughs> Literally. That sounds lovely. Um, but we hung out. I got suckered into playing some games. We ate the food. They drank the drinks. It was really lovely. That sounds really nice. Um, and it was it was wonderful. And it's kind of nice because, like, to this day, like, my friends still say that that was, like, one of their favorite weekends ever. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. Like, you know how everybody has that thing that they want for their wedding? They go yeah. after the dress or they go after the place. And my thing was, like, like for months we were just out there preparing like every weekend we go to trader joe's and buy some more wine i hear myself just some used to be two now three buck chuck and like like we were doing all the things like i wanted to create the best time for people that was more important to me than me having a good time was for people to walk away and say like hey man that was an event when people give up their weekend which is essentially what a wedding is no matter where it is you're giving up some substantial portion of your time it's to true. Go celebrate this. and we were asking people to come to Dahlonega yep. so it wasn't like leaving the state or anything but it was still like it was still a trip it was a trip yeah it was it was lovely it was a nice little drive and she did it in October which was really great that's a good time I didn't want to be a sweaty bride mm-hmm. I still was sure so that'll show you perfect the last thing I thought we could do is talk about some recommendations. Okay. So uh, for those folks who are listening and either, maybe you're in the Blue Ridge Mountains every day, maybe you've never been, maybe you're considering, wherever you are in your personal journey, <laughs> we wanted to share some things that you might consider as part of your something. And these are literally like for us in the Georgia area and probably a little bit in the North Carolina and South Carolina area. These can be like day trips. They do not have to be like, if you want to go to the Blue Ridge Mountains, it's not like you have to give up your whole weekend. Like if you have a free Saturday, you can do these things. Right. So, but if you're in North Carolina, you may not want to come down to the Georgia. Sure. Right. 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 Yeah. So, and I'm terrible with geography, so I can't promise any of these are accessible to you. I'm just going to throw out <laughs> my recommendations and you decide what works for you. Yeah. A uh, pretty place I would absolutely recommend. Uh, 
if you Google it, it should show up. If it doesn't, it's Sims Chapel. Definitely worth a drive. And it is a, it's a drive. It's a little treacherous at times. Uh, that's definitely worth it. Um, I also, while you were talking about Blue Ridge here in Georgia, mm-hmm. it reminded me, we take a um, Santa Claus train at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. We take the kids and Santa comes onto the train and whatever. Uh, and that's worth it. It's the Blue Ridge Railroad. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of worth it. So does that start in Blue Ridge City then? It does. Okay. Right there in downtown. Which is super cute. It's right totally there in downtown. It. It's very cute. And it's only a 20, like a 20 minute ride. I'm going to say, because you're mentioning that, let me go ahead and say that crosses over with my recommendation. Okay. So you Which get is a Blue twofer. Ridge. Yep, it's going to Blue Ridge, the city, and it is just, it's like a, just like a genuine, legitimate looking cute mountain town. It's mm-hmm. everything that you want. They have cute little shops that you can jump in. They have a ton of really nice restaurants. Like, because it's not, I mean, yes, you are surrounded by rural things, but there's lots of things there. The good thing is, is that it's not a McDonald's, um, right. a Home Depot. I mean, they have those. Somewhere. It's not just that. Yep. We ended up at uh, Walmart. Because we forgot umbrellas. It's very accessible. It's also to your to the point of going on and seeing Santa on the train. There is the train, and the train is just cute as all get out. It is very cute, and it, it's literally a scenic train. So the one we take just goes up and just turns right back around. It doesn't take you anywhere. Um, but I think there are other trains that can take you other places. Like there was one that like ends at the North Pole, sure, and brings you back. We didn't do that one because our kids are pretty young. So we thought we didn't want them to lose their attention span. But um, yeah, anyway, that's cool. Yeah. And then I'll give one specific restaurant recommendation because it's the, it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. It is a good one. It's Harvest on Main. And um, so if you're looking for something that's like, it's a little, um, it's not like fine dining or anything, but it is like. Elevated? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for the woods. And then, this is so silly, but there's also an awesome barbecue spot. I think it's called Joe's. And it's one of the best Brunswick stews I've ever had. If you're into Brunswick stew, I realize that's not for everyone. I really want to like Brunswick stew, and I just never can. It's not for everyone. It's not for me. Yeah. You mentioned Dahlonega, so mm-hmm. I wanted to mention the Montalucci Winery up near Dahlonega. Okay. Um, they have a restaurant there, and then, of course, they have wine. Um, we actually went for a wine festival. We didn't. I, we end up there for wine festivals quite often, but this one we went to with friends, um, and it was really, it's a cool place. It's very, like, Tuscan and Italian feeling, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's a cool, like, quick weekend. The wine sort of scene in Georgia is has been um, really kicking off for the last several years. I think they've really been trying to do more. Um, I uh, Yona Mountain uh-huh. is like a one area that I've been to. They also did like a. They were in the process of building it when I went to a wine tasting there, but like it was, it's gonna it was to be like an Italian villa. And when they do their wine festival, they have like a stomp the grape situation, which I have always wanted to do. Do you know the um, viral video? Like one of the very first viral videos ever of the woman. It's actually based here in Atlanta, like Fox five or whatever was at Chateau Alain stomping grapes. And she falls over. This sounds familiar. And on camera, she's like, Oh, it hurts so bad. Oh Oh, God. That makes me laugh every time. (laughs) I feel so sorry for that woman. You said, you said viral. I was like, Lucille Ball. Was that, is that considered the first viral video? I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, so that, 
the thing that made me think about like really trying to up the wine game is they had people from like Napa Valley come out and do like all of the different soil testing and make uh the soil more similar to the things that they do out West to make the wine like even nicer because I'm not sure Georgia without fiddling with the soil a little bit is exactly right for grapes. I think that's why we've done like muscadine and like the wild fruit wines the most because we can do those. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have a very certain like pH and all that some such. Right. It's all the science and whatnot. Yeah. All that science. On that note though, I mentioned we went to the Unicoi. Kyle and I just stumbled on the Unicoi Wine Festival. I can't tell if they're still happening. It sort of seems like maybe they're on pause or something, Mm. but the Unicoi I feel like I'm saying that weird. Unicoi Wine Trail is definitely a thing. It's like six vineyards in North Georgia. And there's like a whole, you can take a shuttle or a bus takes you amongst the vineyards if you want to plan like a weekend with your friends. So if you want to try Georgia wine, that's one way to do it. Cool. I had hiking on the list. Mm -hmm. So this actually extends out of Georgia. Literally anything that you can hike in North Carolina and Asheville, do it. Mm -hmm. If there's something there... You will love it. It's some of the best hiking I've ever done. Um, Also, Cloudland Canyon. I think I've plugged that before. Uh, But it's so great, it's worth saying again. I mean, really, really, really spectacular views. Really, really spectacular waterfall. I promise you won't be disappointed. And then um, my annual trek spots. I thought I'd mention those as well. Burt's Pumpkin Patch. It's just really... Super crowded. Well, that is my disclaimer. So thank you. That is very fair. I have a disclaimer at the end that says like, heads up, it's busy from the late summer to fall and you got to be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so some, there are definitely times where we've got, gone there. Pick your day. That's yeah. what I would say. Pick your day. If for some reason you have the ability to go on a weekday, that's probably more ideal. Mm-hmm. The weekends get squishy, but they do have the most unique pumpkins, like more like unique colors, sizes, things that you can't get as many places. I will say it's easier to go to Kroger now and get a blue pumpkin, but 10 years ago, you couldn't do that. Um, also, if you have kids, it's great. They've got the hay rides. They've got treats up there. Um, they have like a little store on site and all of that. And then they also have like a little stream that runs down the side with a covered bridge situation and some picnicking areas. So you can make a whole thing out of it. And then I'll also say Mercier's Orchard is is my favorite out of all the apple places. Um, it's got these like really picturesque rolling hills that are dropped right behind like a water reservoir that basically looks like a beautiful pond and you can go out there and walk around it. We've had picnics with some of my friends out there before, um, before Ashley moved to Ireland, we made a special trip up there and, um, really just, uh, just enjoyed the views and being together. And it was wonderful. You can go apple picking there, of course, And then the storefront there is actually pretty darn good. And they have lots of different treats and foods and jarred items and all of the things. Uh, Cideries are obviously a big deal now. And so they have an on-site cidery where you can do tastings as well. Did I ever tell you that that's where we took Landon's birthday pictures a few years ago? I remember y'all going up there. I like to every, the kids' birthdays, I like to do sort of a scenic outdoor because they Mm -hmm. both have birthdays that fall at a good weather time. Um, so yeah, we went up to Mercier and just walked around the little reservoir and took pictures and, uh, it was great. Isn't it Highly nice? recommend. 
Yeah. yeah, it's just lovely there. And I know that's probably the more, I don't know even know a way to say this, like most commercial one there. Maybe, yeah. Also very busy. You can go to, I mean, other ones oh, it's are good very too. very busy. It is a thing. But they have very delicious, I think they were the apple cider donuts were mm-hmm. very good and they're made there on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, um, I think they're really known for their like ham pies. Um, hand pies. I yeah. thought you said ham pies, and I was like, I think that I would better. like that. I would love to sounds have a like ham a hot pie. pocket. Yeah, I would much rather have a ham pie than the hand pies. Honestly, I didn't care for it. I tried one of the apple ones, maybe, and it wasn't for you me. You know, the only one I do is the one that has no fruit in it. It's like a pecan one. Oh, I didn't see that. It's just like, like it. It had. It might have some pecan pieces in it, but it's mainly just like pecan sweet stuff in the middle, like the the filling. Yeah. Oh. And that, that, I want that more than anything else. I should try that. The last time, though, just, again, full disclosure about how busy it is. We walked in, saw the line for the pies. Oh. And I was like, nah. I'm more of an apple fritter girl myself. Oh, I get it. If you can be a classification of a type of apple baked treat. good. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or baked good. Yeah. Then I might be a donut, honestly. Yeah, we went during the that time we took pictures of Landon was prime pandemic time. So it was like a real quick in and out, just masked up, trying to use the bathroom, kind of poke around real quick. Um, and then we went again this past fall and um, did pretty quick and then we stopped there uh, after the train ride with santa which would have been mid-december and that is like well past their prime season they're like in october november se- right, september right. october november sort of so it was really laid back we were also there like late on a saturday afternoon and there was almost no one there and it was it was That's nice beautiful. i will tell you because we do it every year it i have watched it steadily and steadily get busier and busier yeah. and busier yeah it's not a secret Probably because people keep mentioning on podcasts. Well, probably also with like pandemic times, people staying closer to home, you know, like doing more close to home trips instead of traveling far away. Sure. I agree. Is there any other memories that you wanted to talk about? I had one more recommendation. Oh, right. It's called, (laughs) it's fine. What, anything else you want to say about episode 19? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to mention watershed cabins. I just wanted to call them out. That's the cabin Mm -hmm. line that we rented through when we did those New Year's trips with friends up near Bryson City. Mm -hmm. Um, They're luxury cabins and they are just really beautiful. They're just really well done. They're super clean um, and they just look really nice. So especially like if you're going in with another couple, they're really reasonably priced for a long weekend. They're a little expensive if you're just a family. Mm-hmm. We've looked at them a few times and I'm like, no, but if you're like bougie people with no kids mm-hmm. and you have some time, they're worth it. They're okay. Really nice. All right. Well, that sounds nice. I can't believe it's our last extra sugar for season two. Almost, maybe last, who maybe knows, we'll but definitely for the regular season. Yeah. And what I just want to say is that we really hope that you've enjoyed the different topics that we've covered over these last months. It's been a wide range of things. <laughs> We've been all over the place. I mean, from the silly to the serious. Religion to, the to hand fun. pies. Oh, that's the name of my band. <laughs> um, what I also want to add is that if if anyone has something that you would like for us to cover, look into, whatever, just just DM us, email us. Like we would love to know about it. We're definitely open to the input. Maybe there's something that we covered and you want us to go further or look into another aspect. I mean, we're open to it. We could help. We could use the help figuring out the schedule. <laughs> so please give us your input. 
And in the meantime, we hope that you found these recommendations today helpful. If you're in the South, it's pretty much the perfect weather right now for going out and exploring. So get out there and uh, while you're at it, report back. And that's this week's edition of Extra Sugar. <laughs>